Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Roll Route to Red Shirt Friday edition. We wear red to say thank you to those men and women who've been there for 247 years or so and still there. And what we do on this program is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America, continuing with my tradition that we've gotten back in the swing of quite proudly. Every Friday bringing you a veteran, only Captain Tom Stewart, not a veteran per se, still active duty United States Marines, Inspector Pilot. How are you today, Captain Stewart? Doing well, Trent. You're really a Marine? Yes. Can you prove it? I can definitely prove it. Many ways. <laughs> if I don't get a hoorah here pretty quick, I'm going to be beginning doubting you. Hoorah and Semper Fidelis. <laughs> We're there now. Uh, we ha- I just have to share the story with you because you bring it to mind. A dear friend of mine, a late Marine, Bill Brody, who we lost, uh, oh my goodness, now a year and a half ago. He He's a Vietnam veteran. He wanted to make sure that uh, you kids were not treated the way you came home when he came home from Vietnam and all the Vietnam veterans were. So he had this vision that we would create a nonprofit organization and call it the All-American Beef Battalion and be there upon deployment and return from deployment. And, Tom, we have been there for the past 14 years, a little sabbatical with something called COVID where they wouldn't let us on bases. But we've been there for 14 years. Nearly 500,000 individuals have been fed a ribeye, cheesy potatoes, a dinner roll, dessert, and none are more memorable than when we fed 3,000 Marines at Camp Pendleton and I got an up-close-and-personal reminder that a Marine is not a soldier (laughs) in the middle of an interview. (laughs) It was classic. (laughs) How long have you been in the Marines? Uh, 13 years, about 13 and a half years. Why did you join the Marines? I wanted to serve my country. Wanted to uh, wanted to fly for the Marine Corps. Marine Corps offered many uh, many opportunities inside and outside of the cockpit. Wanted to deploy. Wanted to see the world, and I, I got to do many of those things. And uh, definitely, see, I, I met my mission, met my goal doing that. Um, worked with some great people. Uh, I feel like I got to make an impact in uh, out in the Pacific when I was out there. I was out in Hawaii for four and a half years flying the CH fifty three all over the Hawaiian island chain, supporting the uh, Marines locally there as well as on the big island um from there we deployed to australia uh, we were the first marine rotational uh force in australia in darwin australia uh got this thing called the pivot to the pacific where they're trying to put u.s troops out there uh fight china and uh flew all over australia at one point during my tour i was the air officer down at cobra gold in bangkok thailand for a month got plugged into the the air picture there and uh, from there, took orders out to Bahrain, for, ended up being out there for a year and a half, and uh, got quite the rich education in political science being out there, uh, as far as how middle, the Middle East works, politics works, moving air assets in that region, and the stuff going on out there. And uh, most rewarding tour I had was being an instructor down at uh, South Whiting Field, teaching uh, young student naval aviators how to fly helicopters, and I'll greatly miss it. Definitely an honor. Uh, I want to go back to that deployment at 
Australia for a moment because I've been fortunate to speak on five different um, times, five different trips to Australia. Darwin is a unique place. It's one I've not been able to get to. I don't know that I'll ever be able to go back to Australia with the current climate. But that's what was that like? Uh, We got out there. We took four helicopters out there. I think it's the most flying I did when I was at the squadron. Uh, just being out there, we were supporting 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. Uh, we learned a lot from them on the ground side. They learned a lot from us. We integrated our, our air and uh, ground briefs around a sand table. Very classic. They teach us how to do that as Marine lieutenants. And, uh, you know, hundreds of dusty landings. Every time we took that CH-53 out, we ended, we ended up landing it at some of the airfields and some of the landing zones in a cloud of very fine dust. Uh, so you get very good at that. You get your scan, and that scan is kind of what I taught my students at Whiting Field, especially when we were out flying on goggles that they had to be prepared for when they went overseas and deployed because they're not always going to be landing in a in a uh, improved landing zone. Um, I can tell you there was a lot of termite mounds that were the size of Texas, 10 feet tall. You had to watch where you were going. Some places, <laughs> termite mounds that big. I remember being out there at night, flipping goggles down, flying around doing some of the night flights on goggles, and uh, you could see the wildfires burning during the dry season. We went during the dry season. Mm-hmm. That's when we our, uh, our rotation. Um, if you went during the not dry season, it was monsoon after monsoon after monsoon wrecking shop wherever you're trying to work. Um, really enjoyed that. Uh, had this place called Mitchell Street down in Darwin. Uh, it was a good time. The Marines thoroughly enjoyed that. We actually got to go down there and uh, have a couple beers during the week while we were there, which was phenomenal. Uh, I will say the beer in Australia I, I found to be uh, pretty good, so it's a lot different than the beer in America. But uh, Cooper's was one. Actually, we're we're catching up. The first, my first trip to Australia was 2012, and I was like, oh, my goodness, why can't we have beer like this at home? And as long as you don't drink one of the name brands that everybody recognizes, all owned by 3G Capital, by the way, uh, yep. you can get beer that's comparable to what's going on in Australia. But you're right. That, that Oh, that's incredible. You ever been to, um, oh, my goodness, the name escapes me. I shouldn't even brought it up now. The Spotted Cow in Toowoomba. I have not. Uh, I know Tawamba's pretty. Yeah, I've heard of Tawamba, but I've not been there. But it sounds like a sounds like sort of a pokies bar. So they got like two hundred and forty beers on tap. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it really was. All right, uh, I digress into beer. You brought it up, and I just had to follow that path. You, you bring up something, Captain Stewart, that I don't know that you think about unless you're in it. You think about landing a helicopter, and, for example, once a week there's a helicopter goes over my house because I live straight north, 30 miles straight north of a hospital, and they land that helicopter in what you called improved landing area on a regular basis. When you're training for combat, when you're training to to do reconnaissance, whatever it might be, you're not learning how to land that thing in the ideal conditions. It's just the opposite. No, you are not. Um, some of the stuff we do as a service, we have this thing called mission essential task and, uh, every battalion squadron will train to those. One of the things we do before we go into an area where we might actually go in somewhere and have to go land these helicopters in the zone that you're discussing, um, unimproved landing zone is, uh, we'll do these, we'll, we'll go out, we'll get the guys who do the assault support stuff, the CH 53 guys, the V 22 guys current on dusty landings take them out to a country prior to going where we're going, get all that stuff repunched. We'll do days, get all the stuff repunched in the day, then we'll do some night stuff. 
Um, the guys who shoot, the Cobra, Huey guys, the guys who play F-18s and Harriers, they'll get proficient on their weapon systems, employing certain ordnance in certain places. Um, the guys who control them, the, the forward air controllers, will go out and uh, they'll get current on all their codes, all their stuff repunched prior to getting back on the ship and proceeding out to the Persian Gulf or wherever they're deploying to, somewhere in the Pacific where they think they might get into a, a fistfight with some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we train for that, and uh, we do everything we can to stay proficient at it. And the this entire time these guys go on a Marine Expeditionary Unit, they spend a good bit of their time just staying current on all those skills I just discussed. Big picture. I have one minute because I have a feeling that the question I'm going to ask you is going to take you longer than that. You mentioned the threat of China. People tend to forget how close Australia is to China. How immediate was the threat then and now? I can tell you right now we're there. Uh, they're off the coast. The Aussies have a pretty healthy business relationship with them, which I was kind of shocked to find out. But, uh, yeah, I'd say definitely 100% real now. And I will also voice I'm not speaking for the DOD or the Marine Corps during this interview, but just from personal experience and the stuff I've encountered um, dealing with them out there. But, yeah, they're definitely off the coast. they got fishermen doing stuff off the coast. Um but, yeah, they're definitely out there watching everything we're doing. And uh, the threat, you know, we get briefed, briefed up on it, and it is real. You bring up a lot of memories that I hadn't thought about for quite some time. One of my trips to Australia was with the dairy group, and their biggest challenge was that China was in there buying all aged, um, old enough to milk cows or breed heifers. It was crippling their dairy industry because it was too lucrative to sell them. And in another trip, my, actually my last trip, they enacted a piece of legislation in Parliament restricting China from buying land because they were concerned they were going to own the whole island. Hey, that's where we are now. We will continue this Red Shirt Friday discussion. Captain Tom Stewart joining us. He's a Marine. No doubt about it. We'll be back with more about why is he unlawfully grounded after this. Are you following Certified Piedmontese on Facebook? I hate to send people to Facebook, but truly... Certified Piedmontese is doing a great job showing you exactly how we present the message of beef and increased beef consumption. So, if we're going to continue to do that, we need to increase the supply that we have available. And that's where the Great Plains Cattlemen comes into play. Get more details about how you as a Great Plains Cattleman can be a part of the supply chain. Using the Piedmontese sires on your cows. It's that simple. Via semen or natural service. Get full details by going to the website. Actually, what you do by going to the website is find a phone number to call somebody and say, Hey, what do I do? What? Tell me what Trent's talking about. LoneCreekCattleCo.com Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce, coming to us from somewhere in an undisclosed location in Florida. Captain Tom Stewart, my guest, a Marine Inspector Pilot. What does that mean, Inspector Pilot? Uh, instructor Pilot. Instructor oh, Pilot. Yep. I can't even remember squadron, uh, training squadron 28. Uh, my focus was on the night vision goggle syllabus is what my, uh, my focus was. I was a standardization guy out there. I flew 30% of the squadron's night vision goggle hours. Uh, before they grounded me, I was second highest in flight hours for the squadron top three in all the Marine aviation training support group, uh, for all the Marine IPs and then nominated for instructor of the, uh, year for the same support group that grounded me and uh, also had instructor of the quarter multiple times from training wing five and uh, the same support group that grounded me. But 
but yeah, the, the way this kind of starts off, I, I flew the weekend prior to getting grounded. We were on a formation flight. I flew a lot of weekends. I had about three pages worth of flight waivers signed uh, to keep executing the flight schedule and training warfighters. Uh, now Whiting Field's only training the vaccinated ones. Um, but yeah, I was in the barber chair September 10th. We were supposed to go in a cross country that weekend. And, uh, then the barber's chair, I get a call at 1400. That was a day of my last flight telling me, Hey, you know, we'd like you to come in and support the flight schedule tonight. You're not on the schedule. We had an instructor who's unable to support and do stuff. They wanted to get some students done, uh, so they could put wings on their chest a week later. And I went and flew, uh, with these students. Um, it was a triple that evening. Got all the got all the events done. I needed to get done. Uh, my last two were uh, flights were low level routes. Um, last student I flew with was a Marine as well, and I uh, did very well, especially because they swapped him out last minute and uh, barely had time to brief him in the aircraft and get back before the field closed. But it definitely was an eventful evening. Uh, fast forward, weekend comes up. Uh, that. Evening, I show up to work around four in the afternoon. I'm getting ready to go fly till one o'clock in the morning. Same thing, triple with students. Uh, call me in. I, I get a call from the uh, the training wing five senior marine. Basically calls me up, threatening me with an Article 92, which is failure to obey a lawful order. Tells me that if I don't get this shot, I'm getting uh, military uniform code of military justice charges leveled against me. Uh, or else I get the shot. My response to him is I'm filing for a medical exemption. I've also filed for a religious exemption, had an appointment with the chaplain later that week. And, uh, you know, didn't think anything of it. I thought I was going to go execute the flight schedule and just deal with this throughout the week. But uh, hung up the phone with him. And this is also the same senior Marine, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, now retired Lieutenant Colonel, uh, took the shot to save his pension. Um also told one of my peers who's also an instructor, um, sometimes Christians have to suffer for their beliefs and continue to serve honorably a couple days prior, come to find out later. But uh, Said that publicly? Go, yeah, he did. He, he told him is uh, he told him that, not not in front of people, but just he got a phone call that afternoon, and uh, he dealt with them, and uh, that's what he was told, you know, the last time they spoke. But, yes, that is what uh, my peers, who's one of the instructors, was told that same week. Where are you at now? I mean, you say you're unlawfully grounded. Obviously, uh, they have you on leave. What's the status? Yeah, I, mean, I don't even know the right terminology leave. to ask the question correctly, Tom. Yeah, I'm on terminal leave, and I will out-process. Uh, my end of active service will be reached uh, at the end of my terminal leave, mm-hmm. uh, which is today. Um Supposed to get on in July first anyway. The way I, I took three year orders to Pensacola, and uh, basically I'm reaching my end of active service today, and that's it. I'm out. I'm done. And uh, to be quite honest with you, I, I really would have liked to have continued serving. I would have liked to have been an instructor in the reserve component up at Whiting Field, but uh, with all the stuff that has happened, I think I'm going to let some. Uh, we're going to say some personnel changes happen at the uh, top at the Pentagon before I put in a package to go work for the reserves. I find this very interesting that you and I have been corresponding. I didn't know the timetable on anything, and it just hit me uh, this week, even though I didn't get a hold of you until really late last night. Thank you for making yourself available today. But there was some voice inside of me saying, you need to get Captain Stewart on today, without knowing this was like a magical day. Yeah, definitely magical day. I'll be having a, a couple beers later to uh, celebrate my service. Um but, uh, you know, but, yeah. just because of that, I think I'll have a couple beers later to celebrate your service. Perfect. I appreciate it. Um, 
but yeah, so what happened, all of us, all the Marines that were grounded, every Marine that submitted a religious accommodation, um, was, uh, was removed from training, removed from, uh, the cockpit, Whiting Field, sent out to NAS Pensacola to work on a staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone was, was sent down there, grounded to go to work. They held on to these religious accommodations. They did not route them until the 26th of January. And ironically, the 26th of January or uh, January of this year, the commandant of the Marine Corps came in the same week to talk to us, and we had a commanding general's readiness inspection. The JAG, the, the lawyer, who's the general's lawyer that basically is our court-martial authority, caught this and said, oh, you should really route these up and get these downrange. You had not routing it. That's, so they held on to our paperwork. Our commander held on to our paperwork from the end of September, first week of October, all the way until July while we were grounded. And it did not get routed until the end of July. They routed the religious accommodation request through. They came back a couple weeks later, around February 16th. Every single one of them was cookie cutter stamp denied. Uh, the deputy commandant of uh, Manpower Reserve Affairs uh, didn't really even take the time to read them. They cookie cutter stamped them and gave them back to us. Uh, every Marine appealed. And uh, I never got my appeal prior to leaving. And the, the deal is when you get your religious accommodation denied, they give you 10 days to take the shot. Uh, then charge you with commission of a serious offense to drag you through the mud uh, mm-hmm. legally. If you don't get your shot, they charge you, and then they start. If you have greater than six years administrative separation proceedings for an administrative separation board, or they just separate you without a board if you have less than six years. Um, right now, the Marine Corps is up to, as of May, I'm going to pull that exact figure for you, uh, 280. 2,285 Marines as of 20 May in response to Senator Murphy. They claim not to have discharged any any aviators, but they've already had boards uh, out in Miramar uh, for uh, F-35 pilot I, I, I attended where they, uh, they're going to discharge this Marine. And uh, there's also been multiple boards out on the West Coast as well where they're discharging other Marine aviators as a result. And they basically committed a lie by omission putting this in the response to Senator Murphy on 20 May, saying, no, we haven't discharged any pilots, but that's definitely going to degrade their ability to operate and support the troops on the ground the more of uh, us aviators they discharge. Um, Tom, I want to make sure I have this number right. 2,085 Marines discharged. 2,285. 2,285. Yep, that's the number as of 20 May. Uh, They claim not to discharge any aviators, but there's some Mm -hmm. leaving the post-administrative separation board, and they've also held other boards at Quantico. Of note, there have been four uh, administrative separation boards on the uh, Marine side that have voted retained to keep the service member in. Uh, One was a sergeant uh, who was pulled off of embassy duty. Uh, Same thing. They treated him pretty much the same way they treated us. They had a first sergeant they voted retain on as well. It's a guy who kind of helps keep good order and discipline within your your ranks. the Navy had a Lieutenant Bill Mosley that was retained, and the reason they were retained because there was no commonarity shot. That, that is the actual FDA-approved one available that's not supposed to be manufactured in, until, you know, I think it was 2023 is what I read. Um, right now, the DOD has taken this commonarity shot. They have taken the label off of – they've taken a commonarity label, put it on the current shot they have, and now they're trying to push it and pedal it as commonarity and uh, calling it a commonarity-labeled shot and all their legal paperwork and strongly encourage those of us that have not taken the, this uh, gene therapy shot to take it. And uh, right now, if, if you were to call Pfizer today and say, hey, when can I get commonarity? When's it going to be available? They will tell you it has not been manufactured yet. And, uh, you know, we're not quite sure where they're getting this this, uh, this commonarity-labeled these commonarity labeled items from, but there's actually doctors uh, right now within the DOD that admit it is not the commonarity shot. It's just a labeling swap. 
So when you when you show up and you say I want to be I want to join the Marines prior to this situation prior to COVID, how many vaccines are required? Uh, got I don't have the full list of them. I know yellow fever, MMR. Um, I think hepatitis is one of them. Mm-hmm. But I maybe in top of my head, ten to twelve. So you um, you literally do need to prove that you've been vaccinated for those those basic old vaccines that we've taken all of us as kids. Yes, and uh, right now the biggest thing with all of us as kids, we have not we did not have consent to take that. We just were taken into the hospital or nurse's office to go take them just to go to school because they made that right. federal law vaccines prior to going to school. Yep. Um, but the biggest thing about these vaccines, I will say, a good bit of them have been vetted and properly tested. Um. Minus the anthrax one, that one was uh, again another one that was forced on us. And the uh, the the lawyer for the training command uh, basically said that when they endorsed our religious accommodations, that this is just like anthrax. COVID vaccines no different. Um, I can tell you that anthrax vaccine, uh, after doing my research, uh, caused quite the uh, the disturbance. Uh, maimed some service members uh, and maimed pilots when it was introduced to the DoD as well. Uh, there was also certain uh, individuals that didn't take it that ended up taking the stuff all the way through the Supreme Court and having their discharge status uh, upgraded as a result of it. But they treated us the same way. Mm-hmm. Treated them they're treated. They're treating us basically say, hey, take the shot, go into your CEO's office, agree to take the shot, go take the shot, and all will be forgiven. Uh, significant thing about the COVID vaccine, as of September uh, 13th, there's a there's a 701 uh thousand adverse reactions that have, that have happened as of September 13th, the day I was granted. The exact figure on that is 701-559 adverse reactions that happened as of September 13th. And this is what caused me to question it as, a, uh, as yep. an aviator. I got to roll. We'll be back with more Captain Stewart after this. Okay. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Luce on a red shirt Friday. Captain Tom Stewart, my guest, Marine instructor pilot which is not to be confused with an inspector pilot unlawfully grounded for not taking the jab i can only imagine since this has taken place you've compiled quite a bit of data and research that's correct so let me just jump to the conclusion what do you think's behind it why why is the department of defense so insistent upon this they claim uh, right now it is a readiness issue is what they claimed 3 November 2020. They say it, uh, quoting Perry Austin's word, it is a readiness issue full stop. And as a result of that, they think uh, nominal attrition will occur. Well, those figures I just read you from the Marine side are, are not accurate. Right now, if they continue with this mandate, we're going to lose over 136,490 troops and uh one thing I will note, they're trying to discharge all these National Guard members. Um, what I will say is best of luck when the, when, when the next hurricane comes to town and wrecks your town and you do not have enough National Guard guys to support the relief effort. Um, and that's a big thing. They're out processing, out processing quite a few of these guys. And the figure I read you is active and reserve guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, So uh, you're currently in the state of Florida, correct? Yes. And the governor of Florida is the only one, in fact, I'm, I'm disappointed in mine and have told him so, Governor Pete Ricketts of Nebraska, but DeSantis is the only one 
who's actually pushed the envelope because the Constitution and the structure of the United States military is that the National Guard within the state is under the direction of the governor. What has happened is that the, the military and the federal government has threatened to withhold funding if any governor attempts to uh, exercise their authority. And Governor DeSantis has said publicly that there's no National Guard going to get a jab in the state of Florida if they don't want it. How do you see this, and where does this take all of us down the road, and why aren't more governors standing up and saying, take my funding if you want to. I'm not going to remove the freedom, the medical freedom for these individuals who are willing to be a part of the National Guard and show up in case of a hurricane or any national disaster. Yep. Well, I, I, I tell you right now, um, I think that's great. He's actually standing up for his own troops and his own people. We do not have that going on in our uh, Department of Defense right now, especially at Marine Aviation Training Support Group 21. Uh, our commander did not stand up for us. He would rather ground us and uh, penalize us. Than, uh, than do that. But also of note, the people that have acquired COVID post-shot, post-booster, post-vaccine, uh, Lloyd Austin, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Berger, my commanding officer, my executive officer, my sergeant major, there's a handful of OICs down at Whiting Field who have, who have contracted COVID post-vaccine booster, and uh, these individuals keep pushing the shot. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Florida's going to have a very healthy Florida State Guard. They just recently unveiled that. And uh, I think their National Guard will stay uh, will stay very healthy long term. Uh, the example I will use, just think Hurricane Katrina. If those people weren't there to support on, you know, when they when they were there, that definitely could have been a lot worse. Uh, you know, grounding pilots when you need those pilots to be flying, you know, in their helicopters overhead over the city of New Orleans. Um, I don't think that's going to help them out either. But uh, especially when you know the city's underwater. Um, but yeah, I'd say Florida is going to have a very healthy National Guard as a result of not forcing these shots on them and kicking them out. They'll be healthy numbers-wise, and they'll be healthy uh, physically. Well, I'm hoping that other governors recognize that this is the answer and, and more follow suit. But I know there's a lot of governors up for election, and they're probably just on a waiting pattern to see what the next governor is going to do. Oklahoma did the same thing. Oh, the, uh, Governor Stitt did do this same action. Yeah, he kind of he pushed back against. Uh, Excellent. I did not. You know, Oklahoma. In fact, next week I'm just going to let people know we're going to have an expose on Oklahoma because the Secretary of Agriculture announced this week. Thank you, Robert Farnham, for bringing me up to speed on this. That they are going to reject funding for the school system. They're going to teach and feed kids how they want to in the state of Oklahoma. And it only makes sense that Governor Stitt would do that as well. And I know that he won his primary this, this week, this very week. So more power to Oklahoma and we need more examples like that. Uh, Captain Stewart, the biggest thing that we need to address and, and probably the reason that it dawned on me that I hadn't had you on, it was time to do that is that finally we had some, some press. I'm not going to whine about media because it's, it's pointless. But they started talking this week about how we don't have young people signing up to be a part of the military, and they were like bewildered. I don't. Why would why would the kids not want to be a part of the military anymore? Well, anybody can figure that out that has a brain. But my question to you is that you mentioned the number of 136,940. I think that was in the Marines alone. That no, that's. Uh that's, that's the entire DOD active and reserve. Entire that's active what, DOD. Yep, got, and that's quite a movement. 
you got 2,285 Marines alone discharged. Discharged, yes. We're close to decimating the entire United States military, if my math is any good. I'd agree with that statement 100%. Not only are we doing that, but we're also permanently maiming pilots from uh, from giving them the shot. And uh, right now, uh, recruiting's down DOD-wide. Uh, General Milley's complaining about it to Congress. Uh, 1 June 2022, the Commandant of the Marine Corps comes out with a white letter basically saying every Marine's a recruiter, talking about how we're hurting and recruiting. Uh, our ability to win, to fight and win future battles demands that we recruit, develop, and retain the most talented Marines. And we're not really retaining people if we're kicking them out over the vaccine. Uh, some other figures I saw, some other recruiting districts had a mission need of uh, 75 privates, Marines they had to recruit. Uh, they were only able to make 18 of those. Um, and a significant thing on the recruiting industry, what these recruiters are dealing with, I did it my first six months in the Marines. You might go through 100 people to find one qualified applicant to join the Marine Corps. And they could be disqualified for medical reasons, legal reasons. Maybe they have some tattoos that uh, they, they don't want in the ranks. But, uh, but yeah, there's, they, they'll, they'll disqualify them, you know, at the drop of the hat. And uh, the fact that we're kicking this many people right now and the recruiting effort has to go through that just to find one guy really blows my mind um, on the Marine side. Uh, is it true that there's a lot of people – male and female, that don't qualify simply because of sight? They don't see well enough? Uh, it could be a litany of things, sight, but, I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't talk specifically to each medical person, but, yeah, there is people, when they do go down to the, the military entry and processing station, they can get disqualified for various things medically and then sometimes have to go back and get rechecked out so they can continue to process in. So I, I have a history of not just identifying problems, and we have a, sex, a whole segment and a half left. Captain Stewart, it seems like we need to provide a great deal of solution. What's the solution here? Where do we turn this around? Solution, bottom line, uh, the mandate needs to end, period, in both the public and private sectors of society needs to be stopped uh, rather than... Uh, you know, backing off on it, they're just they're just continuing full speed ahead, uh, prosecuting these service members for not wanting to take the vaccine and prosecuting them for their religious beliefs. Um, this needs to be dropped. I know there's uh, there's a couple bills that are going to get passed this this, uh, this fall. I think there's a total of about three of them. Uh, NDA acts one of them. Basically, they're talking about taking service members on some of these bills, reinstating them back in the armed forces with pay. Uh, back pay. Um, if any guy was discharged uh, other than honorably, they're going to take it. If you refuse for you didn't take the vaccine and upgrade it to an honorable discharge. But uh, bottom line, like regardless of these bills that are getting passed, this 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 needs to be stopped. This mandate needs to be stopped, and uh, these uh, products are peddling need to need to go away. And uh, I think there's going to be you know very similar. We've seen our mesothelioma commercials. We got going on TV at all hours of the day, I think we're going to see some very similar ones with Pfizer and uh, Moderna's name in them in the near future, and as well as Johnson & Johnson. Well, this is a big deal to me because I continue to talk to families who have a, a kid, an 18-year-old kid, who is, is willing to sign up, and be despite the reduction in the number of people who are signing up, I still talk to people because rural America represents 45% of the recruits into the military. And Very so true. I talk to a lot of people, and 
I say, well, what about the shot? They want to serve the country so bad they're willing to do it. And you said you, you said it as we're walking through this, the permanent injury. This is not something that will hopefully make it okay through the shot. We don't even know how how drastic the permanent injury is. The initial well, reports are that you're subject to a high-risk myocarditis and so many things that young, healthy males are falling prey to right now because they didn't have all the information about this jab. Completely concur. I'm going to go over some of the injuries we're dealing with at Whiting Field with you. Uh, most recently, we have a helicopter instructor incapacitated mid-flight with blue fingers, uh, unable to function in the cockpit, and a student had to fly him back. Uh, individual I served with went, medical, went, went medically down with neurological issues after his second shot. Took him a month to get a uh, the medical clearance to fly, and the, uh, the Marine colonel, who was the Commodore at the time, had to help schedule his appointment to get him back in the airplane so they can continue to train and students. Uh, also, there's a H-1 pilot who's also an instructor here. He was forced to take uh, the shot as well. They got him while he was on uh, he was on leave, and uh, he had heart issues, self-reported. Uh, around 18 May, we had a uh, student naval aviator, young, uh, young Marine lieutenant that was hospitalized after having blood clots in the brain, a stroke. Um, right now, the injuries continue to grow, and uh, the instructors and students will continue to seal them, conceal them so they can support the flight schedule. And Whiting Medical, will, uh, military medicine down at Whiting Medical, will not help them out or admit it was the vaccine. Well, that clearly is our mission here today. We're talking about uh, the military and strategy. Folks, this is our mission to uncover the truth so that families can rise up and say, no more, not on my watch. This is our time. We have one segment with Captain Tom Stewart, Marine, after this. When I have, over the years, shared the information because people want to be critical of nitrates, people want to be critical of estrogen, I'll tell people that you, you're worried about your bacon or your ham because it's cured and it might have nitrates, but you flock to eating leafy greens because leafy greens are the highest level of nitrate possible. And you know what the first question that person always asks me? How do they get them in there? How do they get them in there, Nathan? <laughs> well, they're they're cured, right? They're cured vegetables. And vegetables actually cure many diseases. So just like your bacon's cured, you know, I wrote a paper called uh, Nitrite, the Cure for Chronic Disease. So just like nitrite, nitrate cure meat and prevent, you know, lipid oxidation and prevent, you know, food spoilage and bacterial infections and or bacterial overgrowth in the food. They do the same thing to us. They cure a lot of things because they improve nitric oxide. They improve oxygenation. They prevent oxidation, inflammation, and immune dysfunction. You want to live a cured life? Take a nitric oxide supplementation every day like I do. No2u.com. It's no2u.com. Put trend as your coupon code and you win big favors because you get free shipping and a 10% discount. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce alongside Captain Tom Stewart. Quite possibly the most important mission we've taken yet to get people aware of what's really going on. What the information that we're not getting from anybody else. Before we get into a follow up that you want to talk about with the families, wh- where do you stand now and what are your. Uh, I mean, today's the day. I, I know we already talked about that, but. Is there a recourse? What What are you going to legal action against the Department of Defense? What are you doing? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to keep flying while I'm uh, I'm healthy, stay in the plane, continue to build my qualifications and my uh, on on the civilian side in the, uh, the wonderful world of aviation. 
but yes, I think lawsuits will be in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we've got over, we had 28 in the Coker versus Austin case. There's more being filed since then. We're up to 30. Uh, right now, there's a lawsuit that's been filed uh, challenging the legality of the order. Um, and uh, it's got over 500 service members involved in it. And that was filed 23 May in the Eastern uh, District of Texas. And uh, <clears throat> from what I've seen, the reporting I've seen from it, we have a bunch of junior varsity attorneys working for uh, the Secretary of Defense handling it and still trying to force service members to cave in, which they won't at this point. They're not going to put up with it. But, yeah, the lawsuits will unfold. And uh, I have no doubt in the near future myself and these Marines will be involved in some of these suits. So people listening that want to engage and be a part of the lawsuit, what do you suggest they do? Uh, do their homework as, as much as they can. Uh, I know a lot of people losing their jobs for wrongful termination. They're going to have to go get get the right weapon to target match with uh, with whatever, whatever attorney they decide to go with. Right now, many of these are class actions. Um, but you're having a lot of people suffering financial damage, also with the shots, physical damage. Um, and, uh, all, all kinds of emotional distress that comes with losing their jobs. Also, some are supporting a family. Um, and one thing I will of note mention those, those, these people with parents, parents of kids that were forced to take this vaccine. I know many parents down in Pensacola and South Alabama as well that are praying for their, their son's health after taking the shots. Um, and it definitely sheds a whole new light on it because, you know, don't think about that unless you have kids. Um, some of the, some of the stats I will read you here are from a letter to, that was submitted to, uh, Ron Johnson, submitted to Lloyd Austin, February 1st, 2022. I can tell you, Guillain-Barre syndrome will, and will prevent you from flying an aircraft. Um, hypertension, that's going to affect you in the aircraft as well. Uh, issues, other issues that are going to cause you vertigo, migraines. We've had pilots uh, down at the uh, Marine Aviation Support Group 21 that have been basically pulled out of training because of migraines. Um, can't continue to fly if you have migraines. Uh, and of note, you know, no one joins the military to become sterilized. And uh, right now, female infertility is up 472% uh, than it was per the, the stats that are pulled from this uh, defense medical database. And testicular cancer is up 369% since, uh, since these shots were introduced and being forced into our troops. And tachycardia, let's not forget about tachycardia. You know, you don't want to have your pilots having uh, heart issues up front while they're trying to fly an aircraft, which has already happened with an American Airlines uh, pilot who went public about it and uh, definitely regrets taking the shot. And uh, we're starting to see that within our military ranks as well. It has happened, and uh, it's just sad to see. It's, uh, it's interesting that, again, we're having this conversation this morning on Across the Pond, which is a, a show I do with a gentleman, Andrew Henderson, from the U.K., Yesterday, the news broke, and actually some of the mainstream media was covering the severe downturn in childbirth, which started nine months post-vaccination. I have seen those statistics as well, and the miscarriage has gone up per the stats. uh, Miscarriages have gone up quite a bit, too, as a result of this. Female fertility, 400%. That's four hundred percent. Say that again. Female infertility is a four hundred and seventy-two percent increase. That seems significant. Yeah, very significant, and uh, they do not want to admit to it. So, 
Uh, I can tell you when I went in to question the doctor the week before I, I flew uh, about an administrator of medical exemption, I can tell you there, there have been female service members service-wide that have asked stuff about freezing their eggs. What can they do to still be able to have babies at the end of their service? Uh, I'll just put it this way. If those questions are being asked and you're in charge of those Marines, you know, they're, they're asking this question and leadership is forcing them to get this shot, then it's, I think it's completely wrong. Um, it should have, this thing should have been stomped out a long time ago up in a conference room up in, uh, up in the DC area. And it wasn't, they just continue to full push, but that alone, uh, quite frankly, makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, Captain Stewart, you don't give a lot of comfort to those families who have those kids that are saying, I want to serve my country, whatever it takes. Yeah, I'd say right now the best solution. I mean, I had a phenomenal time, phenomenal 13 years, worked for the, uh, worked with some great people, but I'd say, uh, give it a few years, uh, prior to, prior to joining the Department of Defense right now. Yeah, I, I just always seek solutions immediately, and I, I don't know where we do, uh, where we go for an immediate solution other than what you're doing, and that is being willing to do the research, find the real information, and make sure that the public has access to it because that's what's been missing. Agreed. Uh, this is uh, a question that's about six weeks too late, but what are you doing Monday? Monday. I don't know. Probably go. Uh, probably go fly Monday, or uh, I don't know. Ah, I have a place for you to fly to, and somebody to pick yeah. up along the way. Yeah. So building flight, and that's what I'm doing next week. You're what? Building flight hours privately. So, you know, we have this little event, which is I think going to be a big event in Keystone, South Dakota, at the base of Mount Rushmore. It's called Bridging America, How We Unite Around Food Security. And one of my presenters is a medical doctor from St. Louis named Dr. Molly James. And it just occurred to me that you could stop and pick her up in St. Louis, fly on to Rapid City. I'd pick you up at the airport, and then you could present in front of this crowd talking about the same thing and get some flight hours because then you'd have to fly back. So it's all about building flight hours. See, this is good for you. Makes sense to me. <laughs> all right. I'll get you Molly's number and you all can work that out. But if you get yeah. the Keystone, you're going to be on stage. I'm just telling you here and now. Yep. I don't know how confident of a yep that was that you'll be there. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll discuss after the podcast. So <laughs> what, what else do we need to know, Tom? Uh, like I said, I had a phenomenal time working with some phenomenal Marines the past 13 and a half years. Uh, it's a great time. Like I said, give it, uh, highly recommend giving it a few years prior to signing your sons or daughter up with the current, uh, leadership in this organization right now. Uh, I'll tell you, I grew up, I grew up in a family. My dad was a Vietnam vet. Uh, dad was also a Marine, lived at Paris Island seven years, uh, out of my life. And, uh, I, you know, I definitely, I can definitely tell you what I'm seeing right now is, is not the norm. Um, back in the day where leaders stood up, advocated for their Marines, they would have gone to the highest, highest degree to, to fight for their, for their Marines. And, uh, I'm just not seeing it the, uh, the past nine months under, under this mandate. Um, but, uh, but yeah, different generation, different people. And, uh, unfortunately we got some guys just 
going along right now just to preserve their uh, their pensions. And on the other token of that, you've got some guys that are standing up that are getting ready to lose their pension, lose everything after 20-something years of service. And uh, I commend the leadership that uh, stood up against this mandate and are fighting it, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the both the field grade levels as well. I was just reminiscing about all of the individuals, including um, Dr. Cody Seibel, who left the military. I put her on television. She's in Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, And I walked through Steve Sanderson, who was here a few weeks ago. And I'm thinking about all the people who left because of the mandated jab and how Every one of us, even though I'm I'm not in, I'm against mandates, and I'm supportive of the troops like nobody else. We need to get vocal. We can't just walk away and say I'm not going to do this jab. We need to do the research and get it presented in a way that the general public understands what's happening. Because the only way this representative republic works, as the founding fathers intended it, is that we do not remain silent. It's no accident that the First Amendment is the freedom of speech. It's because it's the most important one. And so as we see this unjust, permanent damage occurring to these men and women who are there just to protect our freedoms and serve their country, they're the first ones being harmed. And that should just infuriate every American who reaps a reward of what it is that you and those before you have done to enable our freedom and liberty. Yeah, and I tell you, you know, we took an oath to support and defend the, the Constitution. When uh, when an individual serviceman puts on this uniform, they do not give up their constitutional rights. Uh, but I can tell you right now, with the way they're handling this religious accommodation process, and uh, it's it's completely trampling the First Amendment rights. Um, and uh, you know, they're unlawfully being processed out of the military as as a result of it. But when you go into the chaplain's office, which as I did that second week in September when the chaplain was around and the line is out the door requesting religious accommodations, maybe the troops aren't, aren't the issue, you know, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, uh, you know, just if there's a ton of people in the chaplain's office, it's, it's never a good thing. So unless he's given a, a sermon or something like that, then it's a good thing. So, yeah, well, actually we need more chaplains and we need more people willing to speak up and rely on their faith and make a difference and lead by example. And that's exactly what our veteran today has done, Captain Tom Stewart, joining us. Thank you, Tom, and I look forward to seeing you in Keystone Sunday night for the event on Monday. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. We've successfully journeyed. Here's the question. You have the information now presented to you. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to drive down the road, shake your head, and say, that's awful? Or... Are you actually going to get loud and say, I'm going to be a part of the solution? That's what I plan to do. Contact Congressman immediately. We've successfully journeyed down the road, connecting rural and urban America. Both of us remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route. I want to remind you before I let you go that we will be bridging America. I'm thinking about whether you'll... No, this, this will be the last time I talk about this before it happens. Bridging America, uniting for food security, and facts. Man, wouldn't it be awesome if Captain Tom Stewart actually shows up in Keystone on Monday? BridgingAmerica.us for full details. i got a feeling he's going to make it. I'm just saying. Thank you to Protect the Harvest for contributing to getting the information out. The Wall of Honor will be on display. How perfect will it be that this veteran shows up?
Tom Stewart, as well as the veterans that will be present on the Wall of Honor. Tammy Eibach bringing that in, wallofhonor.org, for full details and families feeding families. Thanks to all of these individuals who have made it possible. only thing left is you to jump in a vehicle, spend a lot of money on gas and diesel to come and see us. Keystone, South Dakota, Monday, Independence Day, 